Welcome to another episode of the Board Game Enthusiast. I'm Brandon. And I'm Caitlin. In this week's episode, we will be discussing Zombicide Black Plague, a terrifying good time with your friends. Also, feel free to follow us on Twitter at BGameEnthusiast, where you can catch up on any incoming news or see what we're up to. What is Zombicide, you might say? It was created by Guillotine Games and published by Cool or Not. It's a cooperative hack-and-slash game where you and your team work towards completing a goal whether that be taking out the abomination or gathering all the apples you could possibly ever need. While last week's game was about betrayal, this week involves you and your compatriots working as a team. What's in the box to start with? Well, you're going to have your double-sided tiles, which is going to work as your landscape for all of this. You're also going to have your player dashboards, which will keep track of your health, experience, equipment, and what character you're playing as. There are six characters and four different types of zombie spawns, including the necromancer. But we'll get into his set later. The zombies included in the box include an abomination, which is your big bad boss. And then you go down to the fatties, which are kind of the sub bosses that are running around making it more difficult for you to achieve your certain objective or anything like that that you're working towards. Then you have your runners, which are the harassers, where they get you and they run towards you and they attack you. And a pain in the keister. Oh my goodness. If you, if they have two turns to work with you in the single square, it's, it's really difficult to avoid damage. And then you have your standard gribbly type zombies, which are your walkers. And they just kind of shamble around and not do a whole lot and give you experience whenever you kill them. But those are only a couple of features in this box. There are a lot more to talk about. The player dashboards for one. The dashboards themselves serve a multitude of, of roles in your games. They serve as a backpack, what you have in your equipment, what you have currently held, what armor you're wearing, uh, any spells that you have, the experience tracker which even shows the difficulty that you're playing on. And even how much health you have. It really helps you kind of keep track of what everything's going on with, how much is actually happening in the game. They really help kind of simplify and make things easier to keep track of as you as you progress and move through this game. Now remember, you're not playing against another player. You're playing against the game itself, so you're going to have to move those zombies yourself to your characters, knowing the perils they're about to go through. Absolutely. And that actually can tie into the strategy of the board game as well, where the automated system that it's running with, you can actually kind of predict where the zombies are going to go based on where you have the noise tokens or where you place your character. It's making them come to you so that your other players can go and do their thing. But it also makes it a lot harder for you to be able to control who's killing what. And your experience in the game and the difficulty of the game is actually controlled by who's killing what and how many experience they have. Yeah, depending on how many experience you have, it, it actually raises the bar of the, of the game. So you have blue level, yellow level, orange level, and red level. The first base game actually does not have anything to go above that. But later on, we'll discuss something that expansions includes that you will be able to go above the red level. The introduction of magic in the fantasy setting of Black Plague is a nice change to the modern aesthetic the game started with. Now, instead of using a grenade, you get access to a fireball scroll where doom befalls all who strain to its path. Providing a nice thematic element to the stories and the actions that your characters make, casting a fireball or a lightning scroll, or having them go into a zombie horde and chop them all to pieces with whatever abilities they have access to. Uh, which brings us into the next area of conversation. Now next you're going to be running into your tiered cards. You're going to be running into your two types. First will be character cards, which is going to tell your abilities. And this is based off of your individual level. And then you're going to have your encounter cards, where you're going to have your spawns. And it's going to be based off of the highest level character in your party. 
And this creates a really unique dynamic between the players and the game because they actually have to watch out with what they kill in order to remain in a certain level if players are falling behind the XP gain that they have. Because as soon as they jump up to the next bracket in difficulty, the other players that are lower level than them could actually be significantly hurt or even killed by the monsters or zombies that spawn. That's why I said earlier that teamwork was one of the biggest parts of this game. If you're not paying attention to what level the other players are and you jump to level yellow or even level orange or red and the others are at blue, that's a party wipe, basically. Yeah, if you if you don't have the right equipment or anything like that, it really hurts you. Swarmed. Absolutely. And equipment in this is also really key for XP gain. And a lot of times you can't use a lot of stuff effectively until you hit orange or red tier. Mm -hmm. Something that I found to be really intriguing about this game was the number of players that can be included in a single round. A lot of board games usually have some sort of player cap around 4 or 5, but Zombicide Black Plague can go all the way up to 12. Now the base game only starts you off about 6 players, but with a couple expansions and a hero expansion, you can go all the way up to 12 players, which really makes it difficult player-wise and strategy-wise to try and survive because the zombies start spawning like crazy, and whenever you run out of spawns, they get extra activations. And when they ever get extra activations, they start attacking and getting a lot more hits in on your heroes, making it a much more brutal game. These are also the expansions that lead to past the red mode, if I remember right. Correct. Wolfsburg is the, the next expansion that we will be discussing a little bit further down the list of things to talk about. But being able to have 12 players in a single game, I think really makes it really unique in the fact that you can actually have this group of people come together to play this one game where a lot of times a lot of people are stuck being outliers or uh, just not being able to play because of it. It's better to be able to play than to be a crowd. And speaking of being able to play, something else that I found that was really cool about this is that they include a storyline that you can play through. So you have these select missions or quests that you can participate in to help get you started and get going on the game, which I thought was a really nice introductory thing for the game to help pursue further interest with people. It also kept you going for a while, because if I remember right, there's nine quests to the original game, so... Ten. 10 actually mm -hmm. uh i remember the last one there was a lot of yelling in the living room after that yeah you got really close there at the very end of that game but with the inclusion of quests it gets a lot of newer players started with something that they can move with and then kind of branch out from there to do their own little missions and side quests it can show them how to get started before pushing mouth the nest basically mm -hmm. absolutely the necromancer kind of ties everything together for this game it is the epitome of like a fantasy type game whereas with the modernized version you don't usually get some sort of entity that can create undead from wherever he stands I think that's a nice touch that this game brings in and making it more unique than its predecessors. Instead of just a biohazard. And then the necromancer himself is a very interesting character as whenever he spawns, he also brings in an undead tile with him. So it'll become a monster spawner as well. So you'll have a lot of undead that'll start spawning wherever he goes. So if, it's, if he spawns in the middle of the map, unless you kill him right away, that thing's gonna stay there and continue spawning zombies, creating more of a hazard for you and your players. Jumping into one of the major expansions, Wolfsburg, you get four more characters and two more enemy types for this game. The two new zombies are the Zombie Wolves and the Wolf Abomination. Now, these can actually take up to three actions versus the one that a regular Abomination can take. And it takes just as much to kill one of the Wolf Abomination as it takes to just kill a regular Abomination which really increases the difficulty because the fastest thing that you had to deal with previously was the runners. Mm -hmm. With only two actions a turn. 
And since these things can take three, it makes it much more pressing to try and stay out of their line of sight or avoid noise as much as possible because as soon as they get up there, they get up there fast. And then once you have a wolf abomination in your face, it's very difficult to get away. And for those of you that like the missions, it adds 10 more missions that you can participate in and try and rescue or figure out what's going on in Wolfsburg, adding further dialogue to the quests and storyline for this game. It also adds new equipment to give you an extra level of success whenever you level up. And boy, do you need it. With these, most definitely. Though there's an increase in difficulty with the dogs thrown in, I think it makes it a lot more fun because previously you could just try and bait the abomination and just wait for him because you can only activate once per round. Now you actually have a pressing threat to push you to do your objectives much more quickly. Something else that the expansion offers is called Ultra Red Mode. This is the only way that you can actually level up past red in Zombicide. It allows you to basically reset from the very beginning and just go back through and level up and continue to level up and pick out all the rest of the perks until you hit max level which is where no perks would be available left for your character to choose from. You can also change up the game and make it more interesting or more difficult, depending on what you want to do with it, by including more expansions. There are a couple of them that include more abominations, like the Rat Abomination or the Minotaur Abomination, where the Minotaur can basically just run through walls and it can create openings that normally wouldn't be able to access by the standard zombies. You can also buy expansions that are made by artists and whatnot in the community that can add some new heroes to that. One of the community spotlights is Paul Bonner, and he includes a very interesting character, an ogre, and that does three damage. So if you're really wanting just to break your game a little bit and include somebody that can do three damage right away, that can kill any abomination right out, go ahead and throw them in. But I do feel like it would take away from some of the suspense that, you ha that you'd feel as well. And if you feel like the work of Paul Bonner isn't the one for you, there's also ones by Nyad, by Mark Simonetti, Carl Kapinski, and many, many others. Many of those can be found through either eBay, Amazon, or even Cool Mini or Not's main website where you can purchase directly from their store. You can even find doors, plastic tokens, and dice specifically for the game as well. You can also buy paint for your models because all of them will be unpainted. So if you're wanting color on your board, you better be prepared to either paint them yourselves or have someone help you. The game by itself is actually not too difficult to learn. The rulebook does a fairly good job of describing what you need and what steps to take in order to do said actions. But it does contain around 37 pages of rules for the base game. I would say it's a 4 out of 10 on the difficulty scale. Yeah, though many of them are filled with pictures and information that can help you further, so it, it does cut down on the reading a little bit. And by a little, you mean a lot. Absolutely. Uh, it, they also provide a quick reference guide on the back of the rule book that can help you get started even faster. I would say the most time-consuming part of this game, and probably the, mo the worst downside of it, is the setup. Because of how many models you've got to put on that board, especially during gameplay. You're constantly taking them off and putting them back on. And that transition can be kind of a pain in the butt being a player because you are the ones having to do it because of the automated system that is enacted with this game mode. Though there is a lot of information, the best way to actually learn the rules is we sit down and play the game. Setup will take you a couple minutes once you have it down, though the first time setup is probably going to take you about an hour just because you have to get everything set up, get going on it, and then get rules and players in the positions that they need to be in. It is really fun, though, picking out your character. I definitely chose one to play constantly, and that would be Nellie, the red-headed housemate. 
though I usually play the elf Silas because I love I love his archery skills and his ability to just cut things down with his dual swords. Doesn't help that you also love playing an elf in general in D&D. The game itself for new players can take about two hours. Once you have it down to a smaller game and if you're playing with a, a smaller group about three to four people it can take about an hour and a half to play. Larger groups obviously are going to take a much longer amount of time. So the story I have for you today is titled Fool of a Took. It's one of the players that we have in the, the house that decided to be quite a foolish person in an attempt to save the day by running in a giant circle around the map. We were playing mission three where our objective was to just rescue a bunch of survivors, but a couple of infected were embedded within the group, so to speak, where no matter where a couple of them could be infected and we wouldn't know until we flipped a tile. If it was a clear red one, it, we were fine. But if it was a blue or a green one, then they were infected and immediately turned to a zombie. Things have been going smoothly until one of our players decided to jump all the way up to orange, which created a lot of issues for us. Since the rest of us were blue. And there were two major spawn points at the top part of the map where the majority of our objectives remained. We had already cleared out the bottom portion of the map fairly easily. There was only one spawn point that we had to worry about that was bringing in zombies. But as soon as this person hit orange, that's where things started hitting the fan. Zombie spawns started coming in a lot faster and a lot heavier with whatever infected they were bringing in. We had a lot more fatties, a lot more runners popping up, and much larger hordes of walkers coming into the fray as well. Though Wolfsburg hadn't been involved yet, it would have been much more terrifying if we had included it as well. The Abomination had spawned on the board, and the Necromancer was running around trying to get off the board so he, his spawn point could be become more permanent. With all of this, one player decided, you know what, I'm going to try and kite all these zombies in a square and just lure them around the map. Though he had to deal with runners in the process as well. Though he could always try and outpace them by one, if he got caught with a random infected that spawned somewhere else and got kited the other direction, it wouldn't end so well for him. The largest issue was we had to contend with a large horde that was coming around towards us, blocking us from the last objective that we can get. And since it was right next to a spawner, that provided a lot of issues for us. We had already lost a player early on in the game from the person hitting orange, which made it even more difficult to try and get this horde around, because all we had to do was get the last person saved and then we won the round. So this player, in an act of bravery, being a d being his dwarf, decided, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna run around in a giant circle. Wasn't this also where we named one of the zombies, like, Paul or Bill? It was Bill. Yeah, one of the zombies was named Bill. And he was just in the corner of the map, and he was hanging out. So you know what, we decided we were gonna leave him there. We, we, we didn't want to kill Bill. Once you name them, you can't kill them. Which made it for an interesting game later on, whenever we tried to name another one, and it decided to try and kill one of us. And so we were all running away from a zombie instead of just killing it like we could have. Because we even had ranged attack with our crossbows. But no, we wanted to keep that one alive. What was that one's name again? Paul. That was Paul? That was Paul. Okay. The player finally decided he was going to stop and fight. And boy, did they regret it. Because as soon as they did, they were descended upon by 10 runners, 20 zombies that were standard walkers, I think five fatties, and then the abomination. And the abomination, you can't block his damage. So he just immediately died. No, and he can only really be killed if you have the base Black Plague game with... Dragon's Bile and a Torch. It's the only way to kill an Abomination. In that game, we were very low on Dragon's Bile and Abomination. We were looking everywhere for that freaking Dragon's Bile. All we had to do, though, was get the one last survivor. And though he sacrificed himself, we had one player left after the other one had died trying to stop the zombies from getting inside their door. It was a hold the door moment, to be honest. It was a hold the door moment. And we finally came out with a win with one person left alive. Thank you for tuning in for the second episode of The Board Game Enthusiast. 
If you'd like to find out more about us or just want to check out what we've got going on, please check us out on Twitter at the Game Enthusiast. We also should be posting up some pictures that we've painted on our Zombicide models later this weekend. Heroes first, zombies second. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you and have a good night. <laughs>